0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from BJOG.
1: Hello, my name is Philip Steer, and I'm emeritus editor of BJOG, an international journal of obstetrics and gynecology. Today, I am talking to Laura Rutter of the Academic Medical Center of Amsterdam in the Netherlands about her paper entitled, The Incidence of, and Risk Factors for, FASA Previa, A Systematic Review published in BJOG online in December 2015 Now Laura please can you summarize the main findings of your study on the antenatal diagnosis of Vasa previa for us uh,
0: Yes of course we found two prospective and six retrospective cohort studies with information on prenatal diagnosis of Vasa previa Four studies used transvaginal ultrasound and four studies used primarily transabdominal ultrasound with subsequent transvaginal scanning in cases where vasa previa was suspected. Unfortunately, the evidence from the included studies was of low quality. In these eight studies, the sensitivity of transvaginal color doppler for the detection of vasa previa was 100%, with a specificity of 99.0 until 99.8%. However, the prenatal detection rates varied between 53% and 100%, depending
1: on the methods used. Thank you. What is the best way to diagnose Vasa Previa and at what stage of pregnancy would this investigation best be performed?
0: Um, the best way to diagnose Vasa Previa is transvaginal ultrasound with Color Doppler in the second trimester of pregnancy. It is known that using only abdominal ultrasound in the second trimester is associated with a significant number of missed cases of vasa previa. And the same is true for scans performed only in the third trimester of pregnancy. The gestational age at which the best detection is reported in literature is between 18 and 26 weeks of gestation, for example at the time of the second trimester fetal anomaly scan. In the case of a placenta previa in the second trimester of pregnancy, the best way to diagnose or exclude vasa previa is to localize the placenta with transvaginal ultrasound and Doppler at around 32 weeks of gestation.
1: Now, based on the results of your study and the potentially serious consequences of undiagnosed vasa previa, do you recommend universal or targeted screening?
0: Well, based on the results of our study, we would recommend targeted screening for vasa previa in the second trimester of pregnancy. Firstly, vasa previa is rare and so it would be very time consuming to scan every pregnant woman in the detail needed to find vasa previa. Secondly, in our study, 85% of the women with vasa previa had one or more risk factors which put them at higher risk. One of these risk factors, IVF or assisted reproduction, is known at the beginning of pregnancy, while others can be recognized during the second trimester scan. These second trimester risk factors include a bilo placenta, a filamentous cord insertion, and a placenta previa. Thirdly, scanning everyone to detect placenta previa would produce a large number of false positives, who would then have an unnecessary cesarean section.
1: Now, if there was universal screening, as you say in your paper, it would be necessary to screen almost 1,700 women to detect one case, therefore making it rather impractical. However, targeted screening is more practical. The number needed to be screened to detect one case is 1 in 6 for a cord insertion in the lower third of the uterus at the first trimester scan, 1 in 13 for a velamentous cord insertion, one in 37 for a biload placenta, and one in 63 for placenta previa. So your results show that this is quite practical. However, the number needed to screen is one in 260 for assisted reproduction. Does this make screening impractical if the only indication is assisted reproduction?
0: Um, I agree it is less efficient, the more since assisted reproduction is quite common nowadays. In practical terms, we suggest that the increased risk for previa in women with assisted reproduction might also be based on the greater risk of placenta previa and filamentous cord insertion known in this population. This is due to oblique or distorted orientation of the blastocyst at nidation. Therefore, potentially, excluding placenta previa and the in cord insertion by ultrasound may be enough in this population to reduce the risk of vasa previa back to the background risk of the overall population. But further research is needed to evaluate this hypothesis.
1: Thank you. Now, when would you recommend cesarean delivery in someone with diagnosed vasa previa?
0: Well, our studies do not answer the question regarding timing of delivery in case of vasoprevia. Um, the optimal strategy is, of course, to deliver before rupture of membranes while minimizing the impact of iatrogenic prematurity. A decision analysis has been performed by Grobman and colleagues to decide the best strategy for women diagnosed with vasoprevia regarding the timing of delivery. This decision analysis suggests that for women with previa delivery at 34 to 35 weeks of gestation may be the right balance between the risk of perinatal death with the risks of infant mortality, uh, respiratory distress syndrome, long-term handicap, and cerebral palsy related to preterm delivery. Based on this decision analysis and results from several cohort studies, scheduled delivery seems appropriate between 34 and 37 weeks of gestation. One could also consider the gestational age of any previous deliveries. After 37 weeks of gestation, the benefit of expected management is small, so delaying delivery to after 37 weeks seems unwise.
1: Okay. Laura, thank you very much for talking to me. And listeners can, of course, get more detailed information in your paper published in BJOG online in December 2015.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from BJOG. We have been reporting the best research in women's health since 1902. We are keen to hear your views. Tweet us at bjogtweets Tweets. You can find more podcasts at www.bjog.org.